welcome to the Broken Metatarsal. My name is Rich Williams. Here we go then, Series 3, Episode 4 of our podcast from Planet Football, where we celebrate everything that Naughty's football had to offer. And today, an unusual one, because it is just me and one of our TBM regulars, uh, our European expert, Pete Farris, who is here with us today. Pete, uh, you are here because you're about to uh, swoon over one of, in your eyes, the greatest players that ever played for uh, your club and in the world. And I am here to keep you in check, mate. You are, and I think you do a very good job of doing so as well, keeping me right in check uh, throughout the whole thing. Yeah, guys, um, I, as I mentioned this in the podcast, but but when he signed for Borough, it was one of the maddest, maddest moments I've had as a Borough fan, just his signing, let alone before we win the League Cup, let alone before uh, the way it ends, which he discusses as well. Uh, okay, we'd signed a guy who had played for Lazio, although it hadn't, you know, it had been carnage at Lazio and Barcelona, but he'd been at those two clubs. He'd come directly from his time at Barcelona to Borough and we signed him. And it was a phase where we were signing some big names, but the prestige of the two-time world midfielder of the year rocking up at Riverside, you know, turning up to train at Rockcliffe, that is ludicrous. How many players have you signed over the years from uh, Barca? Um, did we get Reisiger straight from, from Barcelona as well? Rockenbach, former Barcelona player, Fabio Rockenbach, we got him. Although I don't think we got him directly from Barcelona. I think we got him from Lisbon. But either way, the point is that we were a team who were consistently overstretching ourselves, which is why we found ourselves in the mire we are now. But don't get yourself in that deep, dark hole, Pete, at this stage. Anyway, when we have the beauty of hearing from Gaisca Mendieta, who, like you say, you know, a European midfielder of the year twice in a row, two Champions League finals in a row. And and we didn't even get onto this, his international career as well. And some of the goals that he scored, because essentially we ran out of time, but an absolute gem of the game. And I thought he was really, really interesting and had lots to say. We did, of course, ask the obvious question, which must be his most asked question ever, which is Barca to Borough. How does that work then? Um, but he, he loves the area, he loves the people. Yeah, he settled there. He stayed He stayed in Borough. That's the thing. I mean, I've flown from Barcelona into Teesside Airport before, and it's a culture shock for me as someone who's been uh, his entire life up until recently <laughs> living in Middlesbrough. And, and he loves it there, and he settled there, and he, he's gone on to have a very, very successful life as a guy in the media, as, um, as a DJ, obviously, as well. But he stayed in Borough, and we, we spoke to him as part of Player for Player. We're, we're hoping to speak to one or two other members of this brand new sort of uh, project that he, Emil Heskey, Stan Petrov, Michael Johnson have all put together about looking after players after they retire. And it's really interesting what he says about that as well, and there's, there's plenty more to come on Player for Player. But... Yeah, I love the idea that this guy, this this guy born in the Basque country, lives in Valencia, lives in Barcelona, lives in Rome, ends up in Borough. That is something that I've got to say is is a, is a real joy for me. Right, I've got to pick you up uh, already because for anyone listening, they're going to get a shock when this happens. I know you are a European footy expert, but seriously, mate, with the pronunciations of the words, come on, it's just Valencia, right? We don't need to go down that road. Some of the words you said in there, honestly, it was like you weren't a native to Teesside. Yeah, I know, but the problem is that I sometimes switch between the two, Valencia and Valencia, or Valencia, or whatever, you know. So that's the problem. I'm inconsistent, and we all need to... You've got to commit to it, Pete, one way or the other. You can't go half-hearted on this. You're talking to an incredible player for your club who helped drive them to their first ever trophy, proper trophy. I'm going to do my best to try and get his name right at least some of the time. Now, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and take advantage of their seven-day £500 money-back guarantee. T's and C's available online. And if you get a moment, check out begambleaware.co.uk. Let's do this then. A dream situation 
for Pete, a Borough fan, and for me as a Leeds fan, as I had to explain, not such good memories. I'll tell you who I'm a fan of, uh, Geithka. I'm a fan of Leeds United. Okay, that's good. It, it wasn't until he wiped the floor with us in the semi-final of the Champions League, yeah. mate. And you were pretty much the best player on the pitch in that second leg. Yeah, I've always got these comments with uh, Leeds and Ireland. Sorry, you know, sometimes things need to be done. And um, it, I mean, it was great for Leeds. Uh, and, then, and then I played with them three, four years later. Uh, they got relegated. So I, I managed to play still in, in, the, in the Premier League before they got relegated. Uh, what a story. It was similar, of course, different clubs, different history, everything. But for us as Valencia, we knew it was one of the few chances that we could actually do something big in a competition at Champions League. Uh, which, of course, we did eventually the year after. Nobody expected that anyway. But I guess for, for Leeds, that, that was the, the sense of, of having a, a, a season like that and, and reaching semi-finals. It was brilliant. I mean, don't take anything from that. I like the way not only you uh, you mentioned the semi-final, you then went straight in with the relegation season as well. So thanks for that one. Well, that's, that's <laughs> sorry. Uh, it's not starting, I'm not starting very well. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, do you know what? It's my problem, <laughs> not yours, guys. It's my problem. Let, let the Borough fans speak. That's what we should do, really. Okay. That, that was... Yeah, that, let's, that, let's change subject. Yeah. Uh, that Valencia <laughs> squad, seriously. I, I look for, I've looked through the squads during that time. Obviously, we'll talk about Lazio. We'll talk about Barcelona briefly and, and on to my mighty Borough. But that... Valencia squad at that time was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? I mean, you were one of, I mean, you were obviously one of the best midfielders in the world at that point. Your teammates were incredible as well. Yeah, and I think that's obviously the big reason why we did what we did. Uh, not only that season, but the years after. I think uh, the club was very clever in the way they signed players. They, they were for a certain profile of players, not only players, but I think also person, a human being, in the sense of yeah. looking for that, like for, for people that maybe were coming to the last years of their career or, or, or had a, like a, a, bad, a bad recent seasons and wanting to get back. But very professional, very committed uh, people with experience. Um, and I think that balance was brilliant. Uh, we have, as you said, so many fantastic players with fantastic uh, careers where everyone that joined the project just wanted to add up. There was no egos whatsoever. Everyone was like really wanting to improve whatever it was for the sake of the team and the club. And I think that was that was the key. In, in, in of course, the club foreseen that that needed a change. It needed a change, not like they were doing before, like signing big names, and 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 only one two players for different reasons, but no focus on the on the project. And I think that's, that's that was very very well managed and very well um, uh, administrated. And, and that's why it was not only successful for a year; it was successful for different uh, seasons because of that. Because we had three four years contract with players that, and everyone that joined. Um, the club at that time it was similar profile uh, obviously with the, with the Champions League you, you fell just short a couple of times which must have been so frustrating but there was big success as well and, you know our podcast is really only on the, the noughties but we should really mention the cup victory and the final and that goal you scored which if people haven't seen just go 1999 Mendieta final goal just go and Google it it's unbelievable <laughs> yeah I mean I'll tell you a story about that I mean not the goal but before that because I, I used to, well, you know, I used to play midfielder, but for the final, we didn't have a left back. It was, uh, I think it was Björklund was playing, well, obviously Carboni, but Carboni couldn't play, and then Björklund, that it was the, sometime we played in that position. So the day before the final, um, Ranieri comes and tells me, I'm going to play as a left back. 
I didn't know whether to punch him or running away. I didn't know what to say. Uh, had I mean, you, had you started up. as a left back? Had you started as a wing back, Gaithka? Yeah, yeah. I played me. Yeah. Well, actually, I was holding me like in the middle of the park. Yeah. But I've played most of my career on the right side. Yeah. Um, but I always wanted to play in the, in the middle. That was my natural position. Uh, it was my second final that I played with Valencia, with the other one I played as a right back already. Uh, and then he says, Rene, he says, no, you, 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 we need you there. I don't, you know, I think is the best, the best option. I, I don't see any option that you play on the left. But, uh, so anyway, I said, okay, yes, of course. <laughs> I have no choice. Uh, so I started that final like, like with really weird feelings in the sense of I wanted, of course, a final to play well, to score goals or, 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 or give goals or assists or whatever it was, but have an impact and, and, and leave a mark on that final for, for the rest and, of course, winning it. Uh, but starting as a left back wasn't a great start of the, of the thing. And then, and then what happened, of course, I was going forward as many times as I could and then being as a defender, so giving, giving all I had to, to try to do both. And I did an assist to Piojo and then I scored that goal. So as, as it started and as it ended up, uh, it was completely completely the opposite. Uh, and yeah, yeah, of course, the goal. The goal was... Um, uh, it's things that you, you do, you have it in your mind and it actually happens. But of course, again, I've, I've seen it years after I scored it. And, 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 and yes, it's, it's a beauty, isn't it? I mean, as a bro, your role, as you say, was, was never necessarily to score goals. That wasn't your responsibility as such. Hmm. But I seem to remember when you did score, it was almost exclusively an unbelievable goal. So I'm thinking like um, the, the, the volley, uh, the Bilbao, Barcelona, Real Madrid. You, whenever you did score, it, for, for some reason, it was like you were saving up and you just got one incredible goal. Absolutely that, spank the I ball. I was going to yeah. say, we're saving it for those goals. Why score 100 goals when you can score like 40 like great goals? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you, if you um, I, I was you know looking through some of your goals just to, just to remind, and it's one of those, when I, when I looked at your goal scoring sort of show reel, I thought if I was going to be a footballer, that's the goal scoring show reel that I want to have. And it's made even better, guys, because well, it's made even better because you have great hair. So that goals and iconic hair as well is the perfect combination. Yeah. I had, I had both goals and long hair. Yeah, <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> that Champions League final against Bayern, you win the penalty, don't you? If I remember rightly, you win the penalty yeah. and then you yeah. convert it. So you're at the San Siro. Yeah. You're playing a Bayern Munich side at the time are terrifying. I mean, obviously Bayern Thier are incredible, but that They're Bayern side is terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but. What is the feeling going into that game? And after was it six, seven minutes, you've won the penalty, yeah. scored the yeah. penalty, you bag in the shootout at the end. What was the whole experience of that game like, that 2001 final? Of course, from outside, it's different. When you're actually playing it, you're just going like, I wouldn't say minute by minute, but you're going like second by second. So whatever comes, especially we had the experience uh, from previous final. Finals are different, are special, are unique in, in every single way of, of, of a football match. So... The final was just take it as it comes. Of course, when we get the penalty, and, and that's you, you, you kind of have to hold the enthusiasm because if you plan the, the final before, you say, okay, an early goal, then you know, you'll be more relaxed. We had a team to have the possession. We can have the possession and then go on the counter. So it was like the perfect way you, you would have wanted it to be. Hmm. But you, you can't because you, you have a, an amazing team in front of you. And actually, they did. They had another penalty and then they, they, they're missing the extra time. Um, but you go... And you take everything as it comes. So we scored the goal. The actual talk, like as you 
celebrating stuff, but like, you know, continue. This is only started. It's still like along the ahead. Don't let this just take us out again. Just continue to focus on what we've planned. That's what we've got the penalty, etc. So trying to keep really low emotions uh, regarding the, the final, because otherwise you could risk to, to think, okay, you've done it. That's it. We score. And then you get like three and, and, you, don't, and you, don't, you don't win it. So it was trying to keep that balance at the moment. I mean, look, everyone listening to this would wish to be a player who gets to play in a Champions League final. There's only one person on this call at the moment who's managed to do that, and that's you. But it has always struck me that the worst thing for a player must be that moment of losing a final, especially on on the bigger stage, and having to watch the other team go and take the trophy. And different players deal with that in different ways, whether they they want their runner-up medal or they don't. Just just talk us, what is that moment like? It must be the hardest thing to pick yourself up from. How How do you go about doing it, and how did you deal with it? Well, I don't like losing at all, whether it's a final or not. So finals makes it even harder. Um, I mean, both both finals were hard to digest uh, in the sense of when you get there, even if you don't think you might get there, but you, 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 that's what you play, that's what you fight every game you want to reach the, the final. And when you're there, you, you see Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, of course, experience, history, players, but you know you stand a chance because that's what you then you go the potential the players etc so the the disappointment always comes when you don't win it either way because madrid play better than us or because penalty shoot out and you don't win it of course it's harder that way but how you deal with it you just deal with it you just continue you go on holidays you don't really feel like seeing many people for the first i don't know days weeks whatever it is please don't talk to me about football you don't read any paper you don't switch up television or anything. You don't want to know. You just want to disconnect from the world to restart, reset. And, and yeah, and you just, at some point, don't know exactly when, you just switch. You just change and, and, and your brain and your body starts to, in a nice way, look for revenge. So you want to, <laughs> the season to start. You want to start again and, okay, let's go out and do this again. And, 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 and you know by that time, you're stronger than you were because... If anything, those things make you make you stronger. I mean, they say that it's, it's true. You know what you just described there about the feeling when you when you lost in the Champions League final. That's exactly how I feel when my son beats me at FIFA. Exactly. Yeah, like, exactly. That, that, don't want to speak to anyone. I need a bit of space, and then I'm ready for that's revenge. It. It's exactly yeah. the same thing. It's like the same. It's losing. Nobody wants to lose. <laughs> and when you lose, that's what happens. It's a process. I, I will jump in here, Rich, and say it's not quite the same as losing a Champions League final. But I know well, what you, you mean. You haven't, you haven't <laughs> lost to an eight-year-old at FIFA. All right, so try doing that, and then you'll know how bad it feels. After Valencia, Gaithke, it, 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 I think you get really unlucky because you make an understandable move to Lazio. You make an mm. understandable move to, to Barcelona. But they're two clubs who at those times are, it's, it's crazy behind the scenes. You've got uh, Barcelona, time, you've, got, yeah. you've got Gaspar <laughs> going, um, you've got um, the changing of managers at Lazio. Talk us through, I mean, let's, let's start with Lazio. You, you go into that, again, an incredible squad. It's, it's mm. crazy that the talent in there, Yap Stam's in there, De La Peña, uh, Poborski, Crespo, Mikhailovic, Nesta, Simeone. But what on earth happened at Lazio? And then I'll say the same thing about Barcelona. <laughs> Well, I'm going to say the same for the both clubs. I mean, I had, in those two years, I had three, six chairmen, six presidents, and six managers. I think that sums it up. <laughs> of course, I mean, I was aware when I was there, and, I mean, I was aware of the things that were happening. Uh, different, though, in, in the inside, in the way that Barca was definitely a year of transition, where a, a cycle was finishing, and another one was starting. I was caught in between. Fortunately, I couldn't stay longer than I actually did. 
but yeah, it's like I said, two well, not two, yeah, two well, yeah, two Chinese presidents and two presidents in both clubs. So, so a lot of changes, a lot of uh, instability, three managers, and then when you look at how it changed the season after, with so many players, including myself, leaving, I was on loan. Of course, it was an easy option for them. It's 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 a a changing. They change kind of the whole dressing room, new manager, new ideas. So they start with with with, with freshness. Uh, so then, yes, that's, that's I think that was what was unlucky in that in that in that year. Although you look at the squad and it's a fantastic squad. Again, the, the list of the names are incredible. Um, and same from I mean, and then Lazio is different. Lazio, it's although it was another year of not transition but adaptation because they come from winning two trophies with a fantastic team where. Veroni needed to leave the club, two of the key players in that in that in that squad. Although yet we had another amazing players in the squad. But we were, I think, new signings about seven, eight new players. So if one player needs adaptation, leave alone seven or eight, even if they're Italians or whatever they come from. A new change, a new club, new city always needs Sancho adapt. After not even a month, they suck the manager. They bring another manager, another interim manager, and then they come. Uh, it came Sagaroni. So, yeah, a very, very turbulent year in the sense of for anyone, in, in this case myself, coming from different country, different to adapt. And then you look at the games that I've played, I, I don't find any explanation to that. Any of the games, I think I played 12 games as a, as a starting line in, in the first 11, which mm. is shocking. I mean, I'd, not for whatever reason, but just for someone who needs to, ad- to adapt and to play is ridiculous. And and I can say in my defense that it wasn't me in the sense that <laughs> I thought, uh, no, because I, some people are lazy, don't train, yeah. you know, they give up, they don't commit. I always, and you can ask anyone I borrow, when, even my last season that I was quite bit off with a lot of things. Yeah. I would always give my 100%, 200% training because I'm a professional. I don't see it the other way. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you about the, about, about that borrow thing as well, guys, in, in a second. But but Barcelona finished sixth that the season you were there. You, you played every game. Yeah. What are the fans like? What is the Camp Nou like when Barcelona are currently headed for only sixth? I mean, that must be horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I'll give you another stat. Maybe I shouldn't, but I'll give you another one. It's um, after last season, is that, that was the previous season that they didn't win any trophy. So we didn't win anything. And when you're a Barca club like that and you don't win a trophy, it's not good. Yeah. But whether if you're sixth or, or second or third, if you don't win a trophy in a club like Barca, Madrid, Man U, any of the big clubs, uh, is not good. And of course, the fans weren't happy uh, in, the, in the way they are. They sense, they, they obviously saw that, that there was a difficult year for many, many reasons, but it's still there. Even for us, it was disappointing, not winning anything. Yeah. We, we, we had, in the league, we weren't very good. We had expectations in the Cup and the Champions League, which we weren't doing well. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's hard to digest when you when you have those expectations you don't, you don't reach them. Yeah. Well, what's it like? But you know, when the fans are expectant of something, I mean, some of the clubs you played at, like you mentioned, they didn't expect to win anything. Sort of a bonus, you know, to go and win something with Valencia at the time, absolutely brilliant. Middlesbrough, which we'll come on to soon. But when you play for those clubs that really expect the, those fans, what are they actually like on a game when you're losing at home, Camp Nou? And it's not going well, and you stood there in the middle of the pitch. It must be like a cauldron. Funny enough, not in a funny way. They all use their white handkerchief. I don't know why. Huh. <laughs> they, ooh, you know, oh, the surrender. <laughs> well, there's no surrender in this case. It's more like you know, I don't know. To, I don't know why they use the, the white ones, but it's, I'm sure there's a history behind it. But wow. in Spain, it's very traditional to kind of everyone is like handkerchief, and you see like the white is like around. Okay, I get it. 
it's different, different also because culturally these cities are different. So for instance, of course, disappointing and they were booing and whistling, but in a different level of intensity. Like in Italy, they were like, you would not want to lose many games and have your fans. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Italian, Latino character, Spain, Valencia, very similar as well, very demanding, letting you know, I mean, you, you know when they're not happy. Barcelona, they're a bit more relaxed in the sense of it's different approach to the way fans are there's quite a lot of respect, but still, you know, they will never cross that line. Where in other parts, they don't hesitate. They have to do whatever they have to do. There's some I've seen some crazy things. Yeah, like... um, before we get on to Borough in a second, which obviously we, we, we want to do, mainly because Pete is literally frothing at the mouth uh, as we even discuss, even the thought of it. Um, but, but before we do that, I just want to ask you, because we spoke to another player on, on the podcast, Martin Lawson. Great chat with him. And one of the things he was talking about is the bigger the club you get to, the bigger the egos in the dressing room. Now you spoke about Valencia being uh, the right people all bought into the project. Did you find an experience where there were some players who were, were just more difficult to work with, especially in a changing room or before games uh, and on the pitch as well? And, and did you experience that? Well, I'll ask you the question to you. If you put 30 guys, 30 blogs in a dressing room where only 11 are going to be picked up in the weekend, what do you expect? <laughs> I mean, that's I, 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 could, I could push you. Never get for that, I, think, yeah. I was going to say I could push you further on names, but I don't think that would be professional. But you certainly no, experienced I won't, it. Then. I won't throw any names, but <laughs> it's, it's it's normal because even the ones that are professional and not having big egos, you got to a time where you get disappointed. You get yeah, you get you know happy because you think everyone thinks you're gonna play. Everyone knows who's gonna be the ones that play because there's always. 12, you know, 11, 12, 10 players that always play and then the other ones sort of rotate. But half of the season, if you're not really played, whether you are in a big club or a small club, you're not happy. Uh, of course, and, and then everyone expresses it in a different way. Uh, some will be quieter and continue to work. Some will be a bit louder and, and, and expressing in a different ways, which might not might benefit the dressing room. Mm. Uh, and then it's when managers, captains, club, etc., have to intervene. Uh, but yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it all. I've seen players that didn't want to train. They say, "I'm not playing. I don't want to train." I've seen guys that yeah, they, they just go and and try to talk to the manager, and but then they go and work. Uh, some people just work, continue to work, and adds up. And some people just pull themselves away from the group. Um, so it's a bit a bit of different 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 ways. Of course, also money plays a big thing. Depends also. Some people think because they earn such a certain amount of money or big big salary that they, they in a way they have to play. But then of course it's not like that. When you play you see football in a way, when you are a manager, you're different. And I you realize that when you come out of, of football and, and I don't buy batches and, and other other courses. And then you see why the process of the manager is it's not about certain things you as a player might think that oh it's not like that. It's 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 that there's a, a, a reasons behind the decisions they make. But of course as a player you always feel it's gonna be unfair if you don't play it. Right, let's let's play a very quick game, Gareth of, of spot the difference. So um the beautiful okay. city of Valencia, the beautiful yeah. city of Rome, <laughs> the beautiful city of Barcelona. I see that coming okay. and my beautiful hometown. I used to, I, I from my house in Middlesbrough where I used to live, I could see the riverside from my bedroom. I could see right down the hill, I could Great see views. the riverside. Great views. What why Middlesbrough? And what other options did you have at the time? 
That was your dream growing up as a kid, wasn't it? To play <laughs> it was. Isn't that everyone's dream? all the time, yeah. I had it posted off the riverside in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, makes two of And us. the bridge, in the bridge, which is the same, by the way, the same as Bilbao, as you know. Bilbao yeah. and yeah. Middlesbrough is the same architecture, the same building, <laughs> the, same building the hanging building, that they had the hanging bridge. So, yeah, it has some, some, some sort of connection there. No, it was like I explained earlier, it was the project. I find myself in Rome doing my second pre-season, when I, that first season wasn't what I expected, yeah. wasn't what the club expected, wasn't what the fans expected, wasn't what anyone expected. I let the club know. I wasn't happy with that. I came Manzini as, as the manager. Uh, and he was very with, with me in the sense of, I really want you to stay. You stay, blah, blah, blah. But I said, look, if I, if I can't get out, I'll, I'll get out because I don't want to reach another season here and, and, and things not working. I had a few options in England. And then I had the borough option. What, what what happened was I I I kind of changed changed the chip in the sense of because always Valencia, Barça, Lazio always looking for the big club. So I thought, why not go to a, a not such a big club and, and and do something different, give you another approach. Where to a club where he's actually trying to make history, trying to change their history, trying to achieve big things for a club at that level uh, and become part of that. Although I didn't give it much thought in the first meeting we had. Uh, it grew on me as, as I as I waited all the options that I had. So it was in England, like yeah, a couple of clubs, but the really one that caught my eye was was Borough. So then that's when I decided, okay, let's let's put all in this in this bed and these new projects. And like you, there was a lot of people. Uh, why would you go to Middlesbrough? You've been Valencia, Barcelona, Rome. Why you go to Middlesbrough? You've been playing Champions League games and. Honestly, guys, I'm not. I'm not kidding. I I remember sitting downstairs in the front room and my dad coming in um, and saying, I, "I think I think Borough have just signed Gaetje Mendieta," and I went, "Don't <laughs> no, shut up, Dad!" Like thinking he was just taking the mick, and he went, "Yeah, no, 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 we we we've signed Gaetje Mendieta." And me, and me thinking, what, how the hell, <laughs> how have we done that? But, yeah. but it was the project, basically, for, for you. It right? was a project, I, you know, I wanted to play in the Premier League. I play Italy, like I said, Italy. I didn't want to risk another year of, of not working. I would have been yeah, nothing, yeah. Uh, quite damaging my career. And, and, and Premier League was my, my aim and, and, uh, at some point in my career. So, of course, I think I was 20, 29, 28, 29. Yeah. So I thought it was the, the, the time to make that step. And uh, I, I, I know I knew people from, from England and they were telling me, like, I, I asked for feedback for what I was, you know, how's meters, but what is it? What was happening? What's this club? What's the city? What's everything? I spoke to Juninho and I had different background. Of course, there's someone like like you, like, no, what are you going to meet us, bro? Like, (laughs) and then, yeah, I got there. Of course, yeah, you know, it's changed now, but a very industrial city. We didn't live in the city. We live, most of us, in Yam or some people live in Harrogate. I love the area. I love living there. It was was great for my daughters as well. Um, Great experience. And yeah, we won the cup first season. I think that was very important to... Not prove, but to to show people that the project was for real, that yeah. the players were there, that we actually won a trophy uh, in a, such a competitive league and country. Uh, and I think that really, for people, was, they said, oh, you know, this guy, well, he, he thought this through. He wasn't just going there because someone would pay his, his, his salary. He went there for, for, for something else. And I think that was very important. Is, is there something about an attraction to teams that are... 
Uh, we touched on this before, uh, maybe whether it's less fashionable or less expecting to win and going there and the adulation you get from those types of fans who have less of an expectation than there is about being at a team where it's just expected to all be given there on a plate. Is there something about the feeling of the fans cheering a goal for Middlesbrough that eclipses in a way the fans cheering a goal for a team like Lazio? In a similar way. I mean... Uh... Not only as a player, but as a human being, you, you want to be part of things. You want to your name, well, ideally, and, and, and expecting and working for that. You want to be part of that, that club. So yeah. when you're not playing anymore, when you retire, when you're gone, people still talk about, well, this team or this player or whatever. I think that well, that's something that always motivated me in my career, like to become part of that. Uh, and that was the opportunity with Middlesbrough. Of course, with all the other teams as well. In that sense, there is something like that, like like because you you aim to bring something new to those fans, yeah. of course to give you something back, which in a, in a emotions and claps and and, and excitement and any in any single way uh, that you possibly could as a, as an athlete, um, and and that was yeah that was in your head when you go to me it's like okay we here, although maybe it's not the pressure because they never done it, but yeah. I can tell you <laughs> once anyone has seen it yeah yeah they don't want yeah. to take it away from their hands. They want next season. They want the same, if not better, and so on, so on, so on, so on. So there's always pressure, and and the, the the first people that put pressure on us is us ourselves. Yeah. I'm the first one that I go to train and say I have to be better. I have to improve this. I have to improve that. And when it comes to the games, I have to play well. I have to do this. I have to do that to be better and to my team to win. So there's always the man, and there's always pressure. Although maybe not that, not that first season. No. You could not sense the fans expecting big things. No. I think they were expecting more to enjoy it rather than trophies. I think it was more about a pass, a, 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 a nutmeg, so, something that people would jump over their seats. You, you, Job, Budwein, Zenden, uh, the, the list of that, that, that squad was just so, so good. And you're right, we didn't expect anything, but we got a lot more. And that's why the club is still thriving to this yeah. day. Um, yeah. <laughs> w- w- one thing, one thing um, the one thing I've never known was why it ended the way it did. Because... Players can move on, clubs can move on, um, people can become unhappy, and it can be done in a decent way. Yeah. But as a Borough fan, it never seemed like it was being done in a decent way. And I'm saying this as a fan of the no. club as well. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so things correct. like Keith Lamb coming out and saying, you know, it was chief executive at the time, Geithke will never play in the first team for us again, saying that publicly. Because unfortunately, that person is the way he wanted to finish, uh, or do things rather than finish. Because he did it with me, Juninho, Massimo, uh, who else? Well, it was a few of the guys. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell you, all of these guys, including myself, were there at some point to do something for the club. And if things that you say don't work, okay, just sit down, have a chat. Uh, we try to sort it out in the best possible way, but you don't put players in that position. Well, I remember the first time I got told I have to change with the reserves. And I was like, what? So, yeah, it wasn't nice the way they did it. It wasn't nice... They dealt with the whole situation. Was it about contract? No, well, they of course they wanted to reduce the contract, but I thought really reduce it for I went there from Italy, so I could go there. Uh, and I said, no, it's, it's my last year of contract. I'm not going to reduce it. You find a way. Basically, because you can't pay it, you know, you don't can't pay it. They could pay it. Uh, they just for the sake of reducing it, I'm not going to reduce it. So find a formula for me to leave that is beneficial to me, not to you. And then I I leave. I was I was keen to go. I don't want to be in somewhere where I, people don't want me. But there was never uh, an option. There was a point where Middlesbrough had to commit to pay a part of, of the fees, but that never happened. That's quite a static as an outsider. 
of Middlesbrough, no, no disrespect to Middlesbrough, going from signing a twice European midfielder of the year to telling said European midfielder of the year that he's going to have to play for, uh, in, with the reserves in Middlesbrough. Yeah. I mean, bloody yeah. hell, come on. It's ridiculous. No, I, don't, I, mean, I, don't, I don't mind. I, I took it and I did it and I did it several times, believe me. I wasn't happy. I was really angry with the club. No, because who I was. No, because he did it to someone else that it wasn't or was whatever achieved. You don't treat people, you don't treat players like that. When, how, did when, the, how, how did Gareth when these deal with players, that? Uh, come on, that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, and basically because these players went anything like nasty or, or like that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Any of us could have said, look, I'm not going with the reserves. I go home. If you want to find me, you find me. I'm not going to do that. You treat me as I deserve to be treated. Gareth, Gareth was his first year as a manager and, and, and <clears throat> he basically did what he was told. Uh, the only thing I've told to him and I've told him it's that he never came to my face or any other player's face to say, look, this is what it is. This, this is not about, I don't feel you could play there or I'd rather play someone else in your place. Don't tell me things that are not true. Just come and tell me, look, this is what the club wants. This is what we're doing. Well, fine. And then you get me on board. I, I said, look, I'll help you in every possible way. If I have to be here, I'd rather be on a positive note that, that, that be here not talking to each other and being angry with the club and whatever they say. It's not one. Well, it's not me, at least. And and but he didn't. He either because he felt pressured by by President or Keith Lam or whoever it was. He didn't. He didn't manage that well. And he's admitted it. I mean, I've spoken to him afterwards, and we we good. We okay. But yeah, he, he he kind of agrees. Like for what he knows now, if he could go back that days, he always and he said in interviews, he would do. He would have done things differently. Which yeah, yeah it's, it's normal. It's your first time as a, as a manager. Gareth, we're, we're sadly short on time, which is genuinely sadder for me than it is for you. Uh, we do need to talk about player for player, though. That's why you're talking to us today. It's a really, really interesting project. You and a number of ex-pros have got together. And uh, just just talk to us a little bit about that. Go into a bit more detail about player for player. We have this idea of we want to give something back to football, in a way. We see transition period is, is, is traumatic yeah. to, to some point. It's very difficult for players to to digest, to prepare for it. Some of you are not prepared. They just cut you up out of the blue. Financial difficulties, uh, illness, mental health, etc. It's, it's a lot of like, a lot of problems that come out of that. So we feel we, we could help with that because we've been there. We are different backgrounds, different countries, different cultures. So we could bring different perspectives to it. And we feel we, we in a way, we could give back to football something. And that's what it kind of, and that's what Player for Player is there, is there to support any player at any level or stage of their career, any kind of contracts, investments, I think that's one of the yeah. biggest things we find. I think that's say two. One is the, the financial and how you invest that to last you for when you retire. And secondly, a lot of them don't know what to do. And if they do, they don't know how to do it. So let's yeah. say I want to be a manager. They don't know where to go. We set up an strategy with them. We already have some players doing that for them. Gathy, we've got 60 seconds left with you. Okay. Uh, and thank right. you so much for, for A, for joining us. It's been fascinating. And B, for making Pete extremely happy and any other Borough fans, especially who are listening. But just in this last 30 seconds or so, uh, your one abiding memory of playing over in England, that moment, what is the moment that stands out for you? And what did it mean to you? Well, it's, it has to be the Carling Cup. Winning a club, well, sorry, winning a cup in the first season in a club like Borough what he meant for them, what he meant for me, in the sense of, like I said earlier, the first year, I think it was very important for everyone to to make that work and happen. It had to be that, winning that that, that cup for, for, for a city, for, for any borough. I mean, borough, I found borough fans everywhere in the in the world, believe me, like places like you would not believe. So any borough fan, uh, and of course for myself, I think that's, that's, that would be the highlight. 
So there you go, Mendieta, an absolute gem and the latest in our player specials here on the Broken Metatarsal. I have to say, I was really looking forward to that beforehand because, you know, a player of that calibre. But the one thing that really struck me more than anything, in a way, is he sounds like the kind of player you want in your changing room. He's pure class, isn't he? That's what, that's what he is. He's pure class. I mean, there was a couple of moments where, you know, obviously discussing Keith Lamb, he referred to Keith Lamb as that person. And uh, that's, <laughs> by, that's, by the way, how many Borough fans would, would, would refer to Keith Lamb, although he did do some good things, although we have to begrudgingly admit that. And he was never nasty about anyone at all. We don't want to say that. But, but you know, he understands the world. He's media trained, but he's a classy guy. He's a classy guy. He was a classy player. He was exactly what I expected Gaith Gamendieta to be, and and I am very very pleased. Some would say fulfilled by that discussion with uh, with Gaith but that's maybe me more than anyone. I love the fact that you've got memories of uh, your dad telling you that Mendieta had signed. It's like you 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 on the you on the wind up, Dad. What are you talking yeah. about? And then that how that ends up, like we said, with Mendieta playing in the reserves at Borough. It's just ridiculous. But he kind of touched on the Gareth Southgate thing as yeah. well. And I, I almost in a way didn't really want to push him on that because, um, you know, there's only a so far that you can go. But there was obviously no love loss, but it seems like they've sort of buried the hatchet. Yeah, it did seem like it, they'd, they'd spoken and he said, I think he actually even said everything's fine now, didn't he, in that interview? But it's interesting because people forget Southgate became Borough manager in incredibly difficult circumstances. He, he walked into a job that obviously McLaren had left, but the decision had been made to cut the budget down wherever possible. Now, of course, every now and again, they went mad. They went to the other side and spent God knows how much money on the incredible and unarguable success that was Afonso Alves. But the, 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 <laughs> it was clearly very difficult for Southgate at that time. Very, very difficult for Southgate at that time. And it was interesting to hear that he was kind of being, he was doing what he had to do and it was his first year and he and he and he's learned from it. I think that's the point. His man management has learned massively and improved massively from that. Uh, this episode was brought to you by our friends at Football Index, the football stock market where you can buy and sell players for real money. Sign up today at footballindex.co.uk and take advantage of their seven-day £500 money-back guarantee. T's and C's available online. And if you get a moment, check out begambleaware.co.uk. And of course, don't forget to check out the work that Player for Player are doing, helping uh, retired players uh, make that transition from player into their next part of life, as uh, Gus Comentieta was talking about on the pod. Thank you as always to everyone who subscribed, rated and reviewed the pod. They are very kind and very generous and we are really very appreciative of it. There you go, Pete. We said you couldn't have a whole episode on Borough, but you got about 40% of an episode on Borough. So you're happy now. And now I'm going to disappear back into the background for the rest of the series. Pete, back in his box, Farris. Lovely to have you. I will be back next week with the Broken Metatarsal. 